Hello, welcome back to Unfiltered Sisters podcast. We're back with episode two of the true crime series, whatever thingy. We're going to talk about Gypsy Rose Blanchard today because she seems to be pretty popular nowadays. And unfortunately, Haley will not be joining me today, which is dumb because this whole true crime thing was her idea in the first place. Homegirl apparently, allegedly, is sick and doesn't have a voice. So let's just get straight into it. I thought this was a really good case to cover because the crime occurred in Springfield, Missouri. And since we live in Missouri, I was like, oh my gosh, duh, have to cover it. So here we are. And Haley has already heard the story. We've watched so many documentaries over this a couple years back. So she already has the gist of it. So I wouldn't, I'm not necessarily telling her a brand new story. So it's okay that she's not here today. Gypsy Rose Blanchard was born in 1991 and lived with her mother, Dee Dee, until she was 23. Dee Dee claimed that Gypsy's dad was a deadbeat, and Gypsy believed this for most of her life. And if any of the family members questioned the mother, they would move. So the gist of the story is that Dee Dee claimed that Gypsy had many illnesses. Most of them came to surface when Gypsy was around eight years old. This included things like leukemia, asthma, muscular dystrophy, seizures, hearing and vision issues, the list goes on. And she also claimed that Gypsy was born with a mental capacity of a seven-year-old due to brain damage at birth. With that, Dee Dee made Gypsy stay in a wheelchair and eat through a feeding tube. She also forced her to take a long list of medications to take throughout the day, and then at night she would force her to use a breathing machine while she slept. So that's how all of this started. And as this went on, Dee Dee eventually had her daughter undergo multiple surgeries too, which included the removal of her salivary glands, eye procedures, you get it. Because of the long list of medications, missing glands, and neglect, Gypsy's teeth began to rotten, which also led to Dee Dee having her teeth removed altogether. So if you see Gypsy now all over the internet, you'll notice that she does have like, I don't know what the proper term is because term is because I'm not a dentist, but she'll have like missing spots or she'll have black teeth. And that's all because of everything that Dee Dee put her through. Now, you may be wondering why is all of this important? Why did her mother force her to do medication and all these surgeries and things like that? We'll get there. So just hang on. One question I thought we needed to answer here was, how were the medications being prescribed to begin with? Dee Dee couldn't get all of the supplies that she wanted for Gypsy's alleged care without the approval of a doctor beforehand. So I was kind of wondering, how was that made possible? Like, how did doctors look at Dee Dee and hear what she was saying about her daughter and then just go ahead and prescribe whatever she wanted, do the surgeries she wanted, just Basically, Dee Dee got her way with everything. So I wanted to know how that was possible. Like, how have people not lost their license? So she was seen by multiple doctors, the main two being Dr. Beckerman and Dr. Steely, or Steele, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but they were of Children's Mercy Hospital of Missouri. Hurricane Katrina was the perfect excuse for Dee Dee. With all of Gypsy's medical records destroyed, the doctors had no way to confirm anything besides what Dee Dee said. And once people found out that they were in the hurricane and lost everything, people just simply felt sorry for them. 
and basically just took the word, took her word for it. And if the doctor didn't listen to Dee Dee, Dee Dee would just simply stop taking her to that doctor and shop for a doctor that would. So Dee Dee did a research. It's my belief that Dee Dee was pretty smart and she specifically picked diseases that would be harder to prove otherwise. Since Gypsy already looked sick from the neglect, it was easier to convince. Plus, she had manipulated Gypsy and convinced her and or forced her to agree with the symptoms her mom was speaking of. Gypsy had actually said in an interview I've listened to that she was convinced that she was dying her entire life. She thought she had cancer. She thought she had all these conditions, like, for real. And, I mean... I can only imagine what it was like to feel that way, to just grow up thinking that if you do one simple thing or go against what your mom says, then you could just like croak. So I'm sure that was super terrifying. And I'm not going to speak against my mom if I'm thinking she's doing all of this for me so that I can live a healthier life, you know. Once they figured out that Gypsy was in fact healthy her entire life and didn't need literally anything that Dee Dee had claimed Gypsy had... Gypsy's family tried to hold the doctors accountable for not looking into her care better and going along with these treatments. But then in 2017, they did all this in 2017, but unfortunately no lawyers picking up the case. And I'd imagine it's because they're scared of the turmoil and publicity of, because Gypsy's story is pretty famous at this point. If you haven't heard of Gypsy Road Blanchard, like you live under a rock. There was one doctor, it was a neurologist who became very suspicious of Dee Dee when the reports and testing showed no abnormalities in Gypsy's scans. And that was Dr. Flasterstein or Flasterstein. Again, I don't know if I'm pronouncing these right, but that doctor was from Louisiana. And after letting Dee know her daughter was fine, Dee Dee stopped taking Gypsy there. And that was that. The doctor didn't report her to social services, but that was mostly because him and other doctors thought nobody would believe them as their wasn't a whole lot of evidence to prove that Dee Dee was hurting Gypsy. On top of that, Gypsy didn't just get famous after her mother died. She was pretty well known. I wouldn't say famous, but she was pretty well known during her childhood. Like her mom took her story to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. She, you know, she was just pretty well known in the area as this like horribly sick girl taken care of by her sweet, sweet mother. So as a doctor, if you don't have enough evidence to prove that the mother is actually in fact abusing Gypsy, then I feel like personally for me, it would be hard to fight that, especially with all the public support, you know? As I was saying how they were very well known in the community, Many people were making donations to help with the medical costs, and that's how Dee Dee basically made a living. And then in later years, it was found, I, I believe it was after Dee Dee was murdered, that they were able to determine that Dee Dee had a condition called, man, I'm going to butcher this. I am so sorry. Oh, so I just tried to look up google and have them say that word for me and it's actually saying that in 2018 they actually changed the name to a factitious disorder imposed on another is abbreviated to fdia so i think i'm going to refer to the condition as fdia now because that seems to be the most recent term yeah i think i'll do that fdia 
So Dee Dee was determined to have FDIA. This is a condition where somebody fakes illnesses for attention because she wanted to feel important and loved for taking care of such a sick child. Unfortunately, this disease is hard to get treatment for because most of the patients like Dee Dee are in intense denial. Like they convince themselves that they're doing what's right, basically. So some of the symptoms of FDIA is persistent illnesses that can't be proven, unusual symptoms that don't make sense, the child doesn't respond to medical therapy, discrepancies between a patient's history and medical findings, the child's appearance doesn't match the illness, the illness gets better when they aren't with their caretaker, caregiver is angered by negative test results, caregiver provides false information, you get the point. The cause is unknown for DD, but researchers have found that it stems from a personality disorder. And then I was kind of curious what the statistics were for child protective service cases and how often FDIA is seen. And I found that 6% of child protective cases are from FDIA and 90% are from their mothers. So 90% of the cases are from the mothers. After Hurricane Katrina in 2008, they received housing assistance to move to Springfield, Missouri, which is where the murder occurred. The house that they got assistance for was built by Habitat for Humanity, and it was painted pink and had a wheelchair ramp. And Gypsy and Dee Dee also received benefits that included charity-sponsored visits to concerts and Disney World. It's actually a pretty popular photo. If you look up Gypsy Rose Blanchard, you'll see photos of her in her wheelchair at Disneyland. All along, though, Dee Dee continued to bask in the attention she received for being a devoted caretaker. So nobody had a clue. I mean, some doctors suspected it, but didn't have enough evidence. And everybody else just thought this was a normal mother taking care of her sick kid with unfortunate circumstances. Throughout the years, there would be anonymous calls made to the Blanchard home, but Dee Dee would convince social workers that nothing was wrong. And as Gypsy aged, Dee Dee would lie about her age to make her seem younger than she was. She even altered the birth certificate, which I didn't think, like, how do you do that? Like, how do you, because, I mean, maybe the Hurricane Katrina thing did help get her to alter the birth certificate. Because if they lost everything, like they lost their house, their clothes, medical records, maybe they cut them some slack to get a new birth certificate. But that's just like so crazy how... Hurricane Katrina helped Dee Dee so much with her mission. It's just wild. So everything was going pretty well for Dee Dee at this point, but you know, just because you lie about your child's age doesn't mean your child doesn't get older. And especially since it was found that Gypsy had no real illnesses and it was all completely made up, you're looking at, I mean, a manipulated brain. Like Gypsy definitely had been manipulated and it's probably super confused at this point as she's getting older. But if all of this, the murder occurred when she was 23. And so you're thinking of a 23 year old mind, you're very much aware, maybe confused because she's surrounded by her sick mom and is isolated from the real world and any other person. But this is a very like aware woman and she's, kind of figuring out at this point that what her mom is doing is wrong. So I can only imagine wanting to start sticking up for yourself, wanting to be interested in other things. And 
I mean, especially in your teenage years, I mean, at 23, for sure, you want to be more independent. But I think that starts around when you're a teen and for Gypsy to still abide by her mother's rules that went along with the story. And I mean, at 23, I'd be past my limit. I, I sure would. So I, I get Gypsy and her mom starting to fight at this point. Like, it makes sense. Basically, what I'm saying is, is Gypsy started to become harder to control when she got to this age. And when somebody's harder to control, then you're at risk for Gypsy speaking out about what's going on at home that could have scared Dee Dee. There's obviously a bunch of arguments going on. Gypsy's going to get interested in the outside world and things she hasn't been accustomed to yet. And I can see how Dee Dee, like her plan's basically unfolding at this point and you can't control Gypsy, so that's even worse. And I think this was the start of the downfall and the murder and like all that. In 2011... This was around the time that Gypsy was 19. She met a guy at a science fiction convention and they grew very close pretty fast. Gypsy tried to run away from her mother at the age of 19 with this guy that she met. Because I guess they exchanged contacts. I don't know if... I can't remember if Dee Dee was aware of that or not. Probably not. But they were talking online and so they were planning for her to run away with him. But obviously, Dee Dee found out and she was very, very angry. So she contacted the guy and convinced him that she was a minor. She then smashed Gypsy's computer so she couldn't contact him. And then as an additional punishment, Gypsy wasn't allowed to eat. Oftentimes when Dee Dee got really angry or wanted to prove some sort of like PowerPoint type thing towards Gypsy, she would tie Gypsy up to the bed and then hit her. This didn't stop Gypsy, though, because she found a way to get back online, and then she joined a Christian dating site where she met Nicholas Godajohn. That name, keep in your head, because he gets entangled real, real bad. So as her, so as Gypsy and Nicholas start talking online, getting to know each other, she starts telling him about how her mother had been treating her, and... Eventually, they started planning out ways to get away from Dee Dee. And I'm sure there were some failed attempts in there of her trying to run away again or et cetera, et cetera. I have watched the act, which I'll tell you more about at the end. But I'm, I watched this years ago. And so I'm trying to think they depict the story so well. And I'm just trying to remember I want to say that Gypsy and Nicholas tried multiple times to get her out of that house and Dee Dee always found a way to stop her and hurt her afterwards and stuff. So long story less long, they ended up deciding on the best way to get away from Dee Dee was to kill her. Now a little bit about Nicholas Gota John. He had a record already. He had been in trouble for some inappropriate sexual activity at McDonald's. He was watching porn. He started doing some things. And obviously, it was public indecency. So he got arrested. And he also had a diagnosis of autism. There isn't a lot of other information that's been noted on him before meeting Gypsy, other than he lived with his parents in Wisconsin. So the, the two were in a secret online relationship for two years where they would do fantasy role play for each other and... Later even discussed eloping, and this was uncovered once Gypsy told her neighbor in 2014 at the age of 23. So the murder occurred when Gypsy was 23, and I guess a couple months prior, she went across the street to tell her 
neighbor all about how she's going to get married and this and that. And after doing some more research, the neighbor didn't really think too much of it, obviously, because she's looking at Gypsy. She's in a wheelchair. She knows she needs all this extra care. She knows that her mom's always going to be around, or at least that's what the neighbor thinks. And so when Gypsy is coming across the street, all excited, talking about this guy, she just didn't really pay too much attention to it. Like she acted excited for Gypsy, but knew in her mind that it wasn't real. Like it wasn't going to happen because she thought that Gypsy was never going to leave her mother, never going to leave that house, never going to have independence like that. So since Dee Dee was still under the supervision of her mother, she made a plan to trick her mom into taking her to see a princess movie. It was Cinderella. We love Cinderella. She told Nicholas to drive all the way to Missouri and meet up with her at the movies. Gypsy thought initially that her mom may warm up to Nicholas if they had met in person. She she had already gotten in trouble for talking to guys online before, so she just thought if they kind of met organically, organically at the movie theater, then especially in public, that Dee Dee would kind of warm up to it a little better. Which is actually like kind of smart. Especially like doing it in public because who knows how Dee Dee would react in that moment, especially with a personality disorder. So it's kind of smart to do it in public to make sure she doesn't like, you know, tie you up and hit you again, at least in that moment. Or like cause a scene, especially because people knew of them. And so imagine your mom, who's known as a devoted caretaker, screaming at this woman in a wheelchair. You know, it just would have looked bad. So that was kind of a smart move on Gypsy's part. This is where, at the movies, this is where Gypsy kind of gets a little more rebellious or a little more ballsy, I'd say. So during the movie, Nicholas had gotten a seat, but he was kind of away from them in the movie theater or like he didn't sit directly next to them. I think in the act, they depicted him like right behind them, but they hadn't made an introduction yet. So during the movie, Gypsy told her mom that she was going to go to the bathroom. Now, for me, I thought that Dee Dee might follow Gypsy to the bathroom. Because if she's in a wheelchair and she's trying to put on this persona, I'm sure she was going to go help her in the bathroom. But that wasn't the case. And I think that's because Dee Dee had started to get really sick. I believe she had really bad diabetes or something like that. Like, she was starting to grow tired and weaker and... So she just kind of stayed in the movie theater and then Gypsy went to the bathroom by herself. She actually went into the, it was a bathroom. It didn't have stalls. It was just like a one person bathroom type thing. Like the handicapped bathroom. Nicholas actually came and met her in the bathroom a little later. And long story less long again, (laughs) without getting into too much details, Gypsy basically lost her virginity to him in that bathroom. Now, during this, Dee Dee got a little worried that Gypsy had left the building since she was taken so long and because she had tried to escape before. So she came and knocked on the bathroom door to make sure she was still in the bathroom. Gypsy responded and like talked to her mom through the door to reassure her that she was, in fact, in the bathroom still. So Dee Dee kind of felt dumb for coming to check on her. Like, no, of course my daughter wouldn't run away again, you know. So Dee Dee just went back to the movie theater. Then a little later after that, that's when the couple returned to the movie as well. You know, obviously after they were done with their shenanigans. Eventually, Dee Dee caught on that someone had been close to them for a while. So she confronted Nicholas. That's when Gypsy intervened and introduced the two. 
But instead of a pleasant meeting, Didi grew very jealous that Gypsy was giving him attention. And they got into a heated argument. Gypsy was ordered to stay away from him. She called Gypsy awful names and then threw things at her. Of course, this frustrated Gypsy even more. And with talk of already planning Dee Dee's murder with Nicholas, the murder was going to happen very soon. So now we're in June of 2015. Again, Gypsy is 23 at this point. And on the day of the murder, Gota John traveled to Missouri. So he had gone back to Wisconsin. They made, they sorted out a few more of their plans. And then he came all the way back to Missouri to complete the murder. He checked into a motel and waited for Gypsy to text him after Dee Dee had went to bed. And once the text came, he went to the Blanchard house where Gypsy gave him the murder weapon, which was a knife, along with gloves and duct tape. Gypsy then hid in her bathroom with hands over her head because she didn't want to hear it. Because every once in a while you could hear Dee Dee calling out for Gypsy. And it on the act, it was pretty intense. Go to John stabbed her mother to death. And while this was happening, while all the screaming was happening, Gypsy was crying. She was freaking out and she like couldn't move. Like she couldn't get up at all. She was just in such shock. Then she said everything kind of just went quiet. Then after the murder, the couple took a taxi back to go to John's motel and later traveled to his family's house in Wisconsin where they were arrested days later after police raided the home. The I believe the police found out that they had headed to Wisconsin together and willingly after the murder because they didn't really think this through, but they got on Facebook and posted the bitch is dead. People were like freaking out online and this and that. And obviously the police can like track you on your devices. So it was pretty easy for them to track them. So after they were arrested, Nicholas said that he only did it because he loved Gypsy and felt very remorseful afterwards. He was found guilty, though, of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So he's going to be there the rest of his life. Gypsy, on the other hand, she's become very, very popular these days because she was actually released from prison this past December, December 28th, 2023, to be exact. And she's been sharing her story all over the internet in her own words. Some people might think she should have simply spoken up when all of the abuse was happening to her by the hands of her own mother. But you got to understand that Gypsy grew up thinking she couldn't trust anyone. She grew up afraid of consequences. She didn't have anyone in her life other than her abusive mother. So as you can imagine, it must have been hard mentally to get out of what you thought was normal. And I'm sure it was very lonely and scary. Gypsy now resides in Louisiana with her husband, who she got married to in 2022 while she was still in prison. They had no no guests, no nothing. It was just the two of them. They got married. She's grown closer to her dad now. She's very healthy, but she's not happy that her mother is dead. She does think that things should have gone down differently, but at that point in time, she didn't see any other way to get out of her mother's wrath. I actually heard something that Gypsy wasn't allowed to be in Missouri because the murder happened in Missouri, but she's from Louisiana. And so she has two parole officers. She has one in Missouri, one in Louisiana. And the Louisiana 
officer told her she could go to Missouri because one of the things that Gypsy wanted to do first when she got out of prison was to go to a Chiefs game. And the Louisiana parole officer said, yep, that's totally fine. Go ahead. But then the Missouri parole officer found out and was like, no, you need to leave the state. And so I'm very curious if she's like completely banned from Missouri or if it's just like a safety measure because she is so popular right now. So people could come after her, even though like, I don't know. I'm not sure about all the details, but if you do want more details on this story, there's three places that I found and watched that are pretty good. So you can watch Mommy Dead and Dearest on HBO. And this is where Gypsy gives real interviews about the situation. The first one that I ever watched was The Act. It's a TV show on Hulu, which has Joey King in it, by the way. And it kind of depicts the whole story, kind of gives you a visual of what I'm talking about here today. And then most recently, you can listen to this podcast that I listened to. It's called The Vile Files. And you can actually hear an interview from Gypsy and her husband post-prison. I would highly recommend looking into this. And I know there's some controversy of whether or not people should be scared of Gypsy because obviously she grew up in such a manipulative home. She was taught to lie about things. And I completely get that. So I think I'm kind of in the middle here. I understand why people might be scared of Gypsy. Like, obviously she served her time, but she's she's just now in the real world doing real things. And I don't know how that would affect somebody because obviously that's a lot of trauma to work through. Then you have to work through, like her, the only independent life she's had is in prison. And so I just, I don't know. She also said that she's in therapy. She's working through it. So I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. Because I understand why people may be scared that she's out now or think that she's just like a manipulative person putting on a face for social media. But I also see the other part of this woman went through so much trauma by her own mother and is now doing her best to work through it. She's doing her best to manage her new life. And so I get both sides, but I, I do want to give her the benefit of the doubt. You know, she didn't choose to have the childhood that she had. And I just think, you know, if she's working through it in therapy and she's doing her thing, like we should just kind of leave her alone and not be so judgmental. But please let me know what kind of, like what the side you're on is. is. Do you think she's a dangerous person to be out in the world like this? Or do you think we should give her the benefit of the doubt? I'm sticking with benefit of the doubt. But DM me, let me know. And also... I know the episode before this was pretty heavy, talking about the miscarriage, and I just wanted to say I appreciate y'all for reaching out, making me feel good, you know? Uh, I, I'm loving the love, and hopefully Haley will be back next week. She better be, or she's fired. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what. But anyways, we will talk to you guys on Wednesday, promise. Okay, bye.